turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Just a, a little bit of a, um, an update. Uh, for those of you who remember Jim Wallace, and you know he passed away, and yesterday was his memorial service, and uh, I didn't get to go. I was with my grandson's birthday, but I watched it on uh, YouTube. They posted it. I got a text early this morning from Charlotte. Um, last night, uh, uh, Kathy was going back to Brunswick with her daughter, and they had made it back. And But at 2.30 this morning, Kathy had a heart attack and went home to be with the Lord. The interesting thing is, a little sidelight on this, today would have been Jim and Kathy's 60th wedding anniversary. So the reality is that Kathy is spending her anniversary with the two men that she loved the most, the Lord Jesus Christ and her husband Jim. What a blessing that is. So, But be in prayer for the family. They have three boys and one daughter, and all three boys were living with Jim and Kathy toward the end, and they have a lot of health issues and also... Just be praying for the family. It's kind of a, uh, a big blow for them right away. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verse, uh, we're going to start reading a verse uh, 5 and go all the way down to verse 18. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and, and uh, today's is an interesting, interesting thing, and we'll hopefully can bring some light to, to prayer and, and fasting this morning. Verse 5 says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven, uh, done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sound sad countenance for they disfigure their faces and uh, that they may appear to unto men to fast verily i say unto you they have their reward but when thou fast anoint thy head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly 2013 I got to go to Israel for the first time, and uh, it was a long flight over, and uh, I, was take, I was going with a, an older gentleman, and, and uh, um, every time I'd be about to sleep, he'd, he'd punch me in the side and ask me how to work the TV, 
So he, he had found some westerns, and when he found a western that he liked, he'd, he'd wake me up and say, hey, this is a good one, you ought to watch this. Um, <laughs> but I'd finally just gotten to sleep, and it, you know, again, it's a long flight over, and I was sleeping, and all of a sudden, I heard more noise, all this shuffle, all this stuff going on. I looked up, and all these men are opening up the, the, the uh, overheads, and they're pulling out all these shawls and all this stuff, and they're putting on the things, and they're getting their books out, and they're starting to bob up and down. They're running toward the back of the plane because I didn't realize the sun was coming up, and it was time for Jewish prayers. I got a few pictures for you because I want you to see it, it, when Jesus is talking here about this, the praying, I want you to see what he's talking about. I know this is kind of, yeah, this is a little bit difficult. This, this is the wailing wall. Now, this is not the part you see a lot of because this is where the women get to pray. In Judaism, men and women don't get to pray together. Y'all know that? Yeah, they don't, it's a separate spot. They don't get to, do, women are not put on high platforms in Judaism because what you find in Judaism a lot is that they've moved away from scripture as being their authority and they have rabbis or teachers who have been the authority and they follow those traditions that men have put together over the scripture so often so that's where the women get to pray they get kind of another spot now all that when we were there last time Charlie that all that wasn't there they've already finished those repairs. Let's go to the next slide. Yeah, that's another part for the for the ladies. You can see the partition. You can see the man in the hat over there with his face toward the wall, but there you see the ladies once again on the right, and to the left is where the men get to pray. Let's go to the next. This is the again the western wall, the wailing wall. And you can see everybody in their shawls and their hats. In fact, if you go visit there, you have got to have a hat on. If you don't have a hat, they'll give you a little yarmulke to put on the, on your head. I think I wore my ball cap this year. That time I had a different hat on. And you know, I'm not going to show you pictures of me praying at the wall. But okay, check this out. They have their books. They even have their stands. They have their phylacteries. There's a little box thing here that hangs down. They got their shawls. There's all sorts of things. Um, knots and stuff tied in the shawl they all have meaning and I'm not going to go into all that stuff today but I want you to get this picture next one there you go and they actually go on into this tunnel on the inside and there's more prayer places and there's more men there and they're all praying and they're there many of them are very loud and this is the picture of Judaism and this is what this is the type of thing that Jesus is addressing here when he's talking about prayer and about how you appear. Thank you, Ben. I think sometimes when we read Scripture, we're, we're thinking about this and, and, and we go, well, I don't quite get it. I thought a picture. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. There's your pictures. I wanted you to see that when Jesus is talking to these people about prayer and he is correcting something, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they put on all of their stuff and they stood out and they prayed loud and they would, they'd make quite a commotion. Why were they making all that commotion? It wasn't about lifting things up to God. It was about focusing on themselves. Hey, look at me. 
look at me. And Jesus is trying to correct this. And then he goes on in the, the area on fasting. These same people, when they fasted, they make ugly faces. And they, they just, they try to show, you. they wanted everybody to know they were fasting. Now, that's one of some of the fasting and prayer spiritual disciplines that we are to do uh, in our spiritual lives as we walk with the Lord. And I've fasted several times. And somebody, you, when I fast, somebody would just invite me to go to dinner. The, the very first time that I did a long fast was in, in Gainesville. And uh, um, it was when I was praying about what God would have us to do. Um, Pastor Bales had come here. I'd been in, I'd stayed in Gainesville for a little over a year, and I knew uh, to help the church through the transitional time, and I knew that something new was coming, and I didn't know what it was. So I'm fasting, and then I went with a pastor to a, a meeting, and uh, we drove from or uh, from Gainesville to Orlando for this meeting, and he went to Sonny's. And do you know how hard it is to sit and watch somebody eat Sonny's when you haven't eaten for nine days? I smiled and drank my water with lemon because I didn't want to violate this scripture. Like, poor me. I should, you know what I want to go? Look at poor me. I am being so spiritual because I'm not eating that barbecue pork and those baked beans. And, but see, then I would have had my reward. We are to look in this passage and we are to see some, some very strong points that Jesus is trying to make. By the way, it's not wrong to pray in public, especially if we have a habit of praying in private. We do corporate prayer here. I just prayed for our offering. We'll have people pray for, for different things. That's not a problem, but we need to also be praying in the private. This is a part of a, a, a spiritual discipline. And, and the fact is that, that God really doesn't answer insincere prayers did you know that he really wants to know what's on our heart and we give our heart uh, have you ever heard those people that just pray really well there was a man in, in lake mary and he was a godly man and he had sincere prayers but you love to hear him pray because he had this deep resonant voice and he spoke in the king james english you know he had the these and the thousand it just made you he just sounded so spiritual and I get up there and say, thank you, Lord, for the food. Let's eat. I just couldn't. I, I just gave up. I wasn't even going to try to compete with that. It, it's not wrong to pray in public. But there has to be some, some sincerity there if we want those prayers answered. Jesus also gave a few other little things like we, if we were going to pray, we need to have a forgiving spirit toward others as we pray. You see, the, the, the purpose of prayer and the purpose of fasting is not to, to, to gather the praise of men. The purpose of prayer and fasting or our spiritual disciplines or I think as, as Gretchen put it in here, yeah, our spiritual disciplines is to glorify God. And we glorify God because, you know, fasting and praying are between us and God. It's, it's interesting. 
to notice, and if you read through this, this scripture, that, that there are no um, singular pronouns there. They're all, it's all plural. It's a family affair. Our Father. When we pray, we must remember that, that we are part of God's worldwide family. We are part of the family here at Sunshine Baptist. We are part of uh, the family of God, and we are praying not only for ourselves, but for them. Sometimes we might, be, might want to be careful about this. Because when we pray, we want to be able to lift up our brothers and sisters around the world and not pray bad things against them because of our selfishness that may be here. You see, this thing is, is a private thing between us, but we are praying as a, as a family. And when it comes to fasting, you know, in, in Jewish scriptures, and even Jewish tradition, there's only one day where they're, they're required to, to fast, and that's on the Day of Atonement. But the Pharisees, back in that day, they fasted every Monday and every Thursday. And they did it in such a way that everybody knew they were fasting. Really, everything that the religious elite did at that time, that Jesus was working to correct, everything they did was to bring attention to them to garner power over all the other people. And Jesus came and he turned that upside down and said, no, this isn't right. This is between you and the Father. This is between you and God. This is a spiritual discipline or a relationship between you and God. Not for the praise of men, but to glorify Him. Not only that, is the recognition of men of man is, is really a cheap substitute for the rewards of God. Did you notice in all these, these, these passages, and we, we found that about giving last week, but in all these passages, we're seeing that, that you get your reward when men recognize you. And you know what? I, I like, everybody likes praise. Yesterday I got to be with my grandson and he got to, when they saw me, pa! I love that. Gretchen has a story. She's going to be bitter for the rest of her life. She went to see Ezra on her vacation and Ezra saw her drive up and he was all excited and he came running and, and, and he, he looked at Gretchen then he looked around and he goes, where's Pa? <laughs> She's bitter. We want the recognition of people. It makes us feel good to be recognized of men. But let me tell you something. That is a very cheap substitute for the rewards of God. I was thinking about Jim and Kathy. Jim was a, a great soul winner, a faithful man of God. He just, oh no. And I, you know, he got to walk into heaven in front of his. Savior, and I know he heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's better than all the praise of all the men and all the women in the world. It's a cheap substitute for what reward that God can give us. Really, it's a, it's a, it's a hypocrisy, and it robs us of character. It robs us of spiritual rewards. 
And instead of the internal approval of God, we just see, get that shallow praise of men. We pray, but there are no answers. We fast, but the, the inner man shows no improvement. The spiritual life becomes hollow and lifeless. And we miss the very blessing here and now. And we lose that great reward when Christ returns. Ah, uh, we have to glorify God in our spiritual disciplines. That recognition of men is just cheap. But God's rewards are awesome. Well, how do you do this? How do we glorify God in our, in our prayer and in our fasting? Well, here we go. Let me give you a few things this morning to kind of help you with this. First of all, we have to get honest with God about our, our secret life, our discipline, our time with Him alone. We need to be honest with Him. The, the, the first step toward overcoming any hypocrisy is to be honest with God. We must never pray anything that we do not mean from the heart. Otherwise, our prayers are just simply empty words. Our motive must be to please God alone. No matter what men may say or do, we must cultivate in our hearts and in that secret place the desire to hear, well done, that good and faithful, my good and faithful servant. The most important part of our life as a, as a follower of Christ is the part that only God sees. Listen, when, when, when reputation becomes more important than character, we have become a hypocrite. We need to be honest in God's sight. We need to be honest with Him when we pray and when we fast. You've got to be honest with you. There have been times that I thought, man, I need to fast. Then I figured out, I really don't need to fast because the real, real reason I want to fast is to lose weight. I didn't have a spiritual reason to do that. I just didn't, I wanted to not eat so maybe I could lose a few pounds before I went to the doctor and, and, um, and he, he told me that I needed to lose more weight. <laughs> we need to be honest with him. Why are we doing this? We need to be honest when we bring our request before God. We need to be honest about what, what it is. I, I knew I prayed a prayer one time that was wrong. And God honored that prayer, and I wish he wouldn't have. I prayed, God, let me go out with this girl. He did. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. It was a bad thing. I quit praying that. And then God brought me the most wonderful woman in the world for me. And we've got a lot of years together and a lot more years to look forward to. Be honest about your prayers. Be honest with God. And secondly, if, if we're going to glorify God in our spiritual disciplines, we need to follow the, uh, the pattern for prayer that God lays out here in, this, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. By the way, that's what we call it. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, that's the common name for this. Some will call it the Disciples' Prayer. Some will call it the model prayer. I kind of like the model prayer because he's teaching us how we are to pray. He is actually telling us not that we're not just supposed to be like those guys in the picture with the book reading that prayer over and over again. 
he's telling us, giving us a pattern of the things that we are to pray for. Not in just repetition. Not in memory. He realizes we memorize and just mumble through prayer that there's no real sincerity and honesty there. He is showing us how we ought to pray. And the first thing that we need to, we notice here in, in verse 9 is there's a pattern of worship. Because after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Our Father. First, there's a relationship. By the way, the, the, the Jews of that day had no relationship with God. They would never call him our Father. That's something that we get to do. That's something that, that they got a little bit strange with Jesus about calling that. They didn't like that. What a privilege we have. We can go to our Heavenly Father. But as we go to him, we need to lift him up to who he is. He is to be worshipped. There's a prayer in the Old Testament that really parallels this New Testament prayer. It's in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is praying about uh, some things that are going on in Jerusalem. And, and, and Nehemiah 1.5 says this, And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. You see, when Nehemiah came to God, the first thing he did was worship. And when we come to God, we are to worship Him. We are to put Him in the proper place. Excuse me, the proper place. We are to lift His name up, His glory, and to praise Him. The purpose of prayer is to glorify His name and to ask for help in accomplishing His will on earth that glorifies His name. My kids, we got to spend with them yesterday. They have a way of, re each kid has a way of, uh, of asking things from me. Your kids do that. I got three kids. They all have different ways of doing it. My favorite way is Laurel Ann. She knows how to wrap me around her little finger. Because she comes up, she puts her arm around me, and she, she bats her blue eyes at me and goes, I love you, Daddy. And as that's coming out, I'm just pulling my wallet out because I know it's going to cost. Gretchen's a little more subtle. Gretchen approaches me a different way. She goes, um, Daddy, uh, I have a question. Okay, I know that's coming. Okay. Zach, he just says, hey, old man, um, whatever the request is. They each have a different way of approaching me. And you know what? In, in all ways, I honor their request, except maybe Zach. I who you call an old man? I'm going to be laughing at him shortly. I, I put a, Some of you may have saw the picture I put. It, it, there's three generations of Hardy Boys. There's me and there's Zach and there's Ezra. And the thing, I, I, if you put Zach and I together, you would not know that we were family. He doesn't look anything like me. He looks like his mother's side. But I'm going to get to laugh at him because every time I'd see another picture of him, his hairline's getting further and further back. He's going to be looking like an old man before I do. <laughs> Listen, the thing is, when we come to God, our, our God is great. And we come to him in prayer, we need to let him know that we believe that he's great. And we need to lift him up. So the first pattern of prayer is worship. And the second 
is confession. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Nehemiah 1, 6 goes, he, Nehemiah really gets into this confession thing. He says, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Confession. We need to, as we pray, we need to confess to God our, our, our inadequacies. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we come and we worship him and lift him up, we should humble ourselves and confess our sins. By the way, that 1 John 1 9 verse is not about getting forgiveness of our sins. It's not a salvation verse. It's a fellowship verse. It's getting along. It's like when my kids are not doing right and I'm frustrated with them, our relationship's a little uh, not good. But when they come to me and they say, Daddy, I'm really sorry. And then I say, I'm sorry too, because I usually blew part of it too. Then our fellowship's good. I'm just glad our Heavenly Father doesn't have to say, I'm sorry too. He just says, I love you. We need to confess our sins. We worship him. We confess our, there's confession. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, and whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. We have to get honest with God and confess both our sins individually. And listen, and we come as we pray for our church, we need to confess our corporate sin. That maybe we don't do all that we should or all we could in glorifying God. Part of this, too, is forgiving others. You see, we have been commanded to forgive others. You know, we've talked about that a few weeks about back about um, loving our enemies. We're getting ready to celebrate Easter. Jesus loved his enemies. He didn't hate these Pharisees. By the way, he didn't hate us, and we are his enemy because we're doing all the things that he has told us not to. Yet he loved us enough to die for us to sacrifice himself for us, to pay for the, the penalty of our sin that we might be forgiven. And what more should we do? As he's forgiven us, we need to forgive those who have hurt us. Our pattern of prayer starts with worshiping God and, and glorifying his name, hastening the coming of his kingdom, and it moves as we confess, confess our sins and our, our faults and humble ourselves before them. And then we are to claim his promises. Matthew 6.10 Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He's promised that he's coming back. 
He's promised that his will will be done. And we are to pray for his will. We are to claim the promises that he promises to us. We are to claim those promises and act on those promises. Nehemiah. Back to Nehemiah. Chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost parts of heaven, yet I will gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. As Nehemiah prays, he reminds God of his promises. He's saying, look, you've promised this. God knows what he's promised, but it sure helps us to remind him so that we have something to hold on to. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There are thousands of promises in God's word, and we are to lay hold on them in prayer. And the last step in this pattern for prayer is supplication. Matthew 6, 11-13 Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We start with worship and we end with worship. But this last area in this pattern is supplication. Nehemiah did it this way. O oh Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You know, if we put God's concerns first, then we can bring him our needs. God is concerned about our needs. He promised to meet our needs. He knows them even before we mention them. We'll say, well, if he knows everything, why should I pray? Uh, because prayer is the God-appointed way to have these needs met. Prayer prepares us for the proper use of the answer that God gives us. If we know our need, and if we voice our need to God for uh, trusting him for his provision, then we will make better use of that answer when God gives us, gives us to us. Does that make sense to you? As we list our needs, as we pray for those needs, as we ask Him to provide not just those basic needs, but maybe some of the desires that we have, as we pray and, and give that supplication and give those requests to our Lord, He is preparing our heart that when we receive those things he gives us, we'll know how to use them. We'll know how to take care of them. We'll know what to do. 
just bring your needs before God. In Luke uh, chapter 11, there's a, a, Jesus teaches about and tells a story about a, a, a friend that has some, uh, some company come in late at night. And he doesn't have bread to be a good host. So he goes next door and starts knocking on the door. And the neighbor says, no, go away. I'm, everything's locked up. I'm, everybody's in bed. I and the neighbor just keeps knocking, keeps knocking, keeps knocking. And so the guy gets up and he gets out of bed and he gives the guy the provisions he needs to be a good host. That's called importunity. He kept bugging him until he got it done. Jesus finishes that story with this. He says, And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. In John, there's a, a verse, John chapter 14, verse 4. And I remember the first time I memorized this verse. I was in Jacksonville going to school. We had a, a ministry there called the Shepherd's Ministry. Shepherd's Ministry um, dealt with uh, handicapped folks, both adults and children, um, who were uh, either mentally handicapped or physically handicapped or a combination of both. And we started teaching them verses. And this is one of the verses we taught. John 14, 14. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. You realize that when we ask in his name and he does it, who gets the glory? He does as we practice our spiritual disciplines, as we fast and as we pray and as we go to God, all that we do within that will glorify Him. It'll glorify Him when we're honest with Him and when we follow this pattern of prayer. We get our prayers answered. We get our needs met. We get our requests honored. And God gets the glory. Isn't it nice that we don't have to boast before men? Our God just takes care of us. Our God took care of our sin problem 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. He took care of our eternal life when three days later Jesus rose again. And he makes that eternal life and that forgiveness of sin available to all who will call upon him. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, listen, don't, don't walk out of here without doing that. It's not a difficult thing. We try to make it difficult because we just can't believe it's that simple. But it's as simple as ABC. Just admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong, 
and then believe that Jesus paid it all and call upon him to be your savior to forgive your sins it's that simple if you'll ask anything in my name I will do it in the name of Jesus you can have your sins forgiven and inherit eternal life let's pray together this morning